Come follow me, the Savior said. Then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week, I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Savior Said. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back to The Savior Said. This is the episode for August 24 through 30, Helaman 7 through 12, Remember the Lord. And we've talked about in past episodes the importance of remembrance, so we're going to talk about it a little bit more in this episode too. And on that note of remembering the Lord, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of you who reached out. Um, You heard my episode. I put it out a couple weeks ago about how I was so stressed to go back to school. And I got so many wonderful comments and just messages of support over the past couple of weeks as I prepared to go back to school. And I kind of wanted to update you on what was going on with that. So this past Wednesday, I went back to school. It was the first day back to school for teachers. Now, our first nine weeks are going to be virtual, although there's been noises and stuff that maybe it won't be quite nine weeks. The kids may be coming back sooner. I don't know. That's a political thing. That's, you know, out of my hands. But so the kids are going to be virtual for the first nine weeks. We don't start our virtual education until August 19th. So these, like, first couple weeks or so, it's just lots of training, lots of PD, lots of getting ready for the kids, that kind of thing. So it's still a little bit nerve-wracking, though, to go back and be in, like, a building with other people who you've not been quarantined with for a couple months, right? And the good news is, is, you know, I talked about how my area was a hot spot. We're still a hot spot. However, we're starting to trend downward for the first time since this whole thing has begun. We're starting to see a slow trend downward. Um, We have a mask ordinance in place, and I think that's been a big part of it. But I'm just so, so grateful for that. So let me tell you how I'm remembering the Lord. Let me tell you how he blessed my life this past week as I went back to school. Wednesday was the day that I went back. And guys, I cannot even begin to explain to you how much I felt my Heavenly Father with me that day. Um, Even now I'm getting like all teary-eyed about it. I rarely in my life have ever felt him that close to me. And he was with me that entire day. He knew how scared I was. He knew how anxious I was. He knew that I couldn't sleep the night before and that when I did finally fall asleep, I woke up at four o'clock the next morning freaking out because I was just so overwhelmed with what was going to happen in my life in the next day. And he was there for every single moment. That was a huge blessing. These past couple of days as I've gone back to school, I have felt his presence so strongly. I have felt his presence probably more strongly in the last few days than I have in like years. I mean, it has been almost as close to like just being in the temple nonstop. Like that's how much of his spirit and how much of his presence has just been with me. It has been amazing. And that is such a blessing from my Heavenly Father to feel him with me and to know that he's there with me. Another blessing, it's, you know, it's funny when sometimes these blessings come out of nowhere and you're not expecting them. Before all the COVID stuff happened, um, starting like last January, 
my school had started to talk about renovating our library. And it's one of the reasons I was really excited to work at this school and why I really wanted to stay there was because I would get a chance to, like, you know, build a brand new library basically from scratch. And that's a really cool opportunity. Well, then COVID happened. And all of a sudden, all our plans for fundraising fell away. All of a sudden, everything, you know, any money that we'd raised, we're like, okay, well, we really need to put it towards like virtual learning and going virtual, making sure kids have technology and all this stuff like that. Money needs to go to other places. So I'm coming back to school and I'm thinking, okay, the library renovation, no go. Like we're completely dead in the water. Like we weren't even doing very good in the first place. We'd raised maybe like 6000 and our goal was like 50000 So, I mean, our, our fundraising efforts were pretty pitiful. So I was expecting completely not that it was not going to happen this year, maybe even next year, right? It, it's off in the future. Well, yesterday morning, I walk into school, and at that point, no renovation is happening in my mind, like none. And we have these people come by from our central office, and they're walking through the school, and I happen to mention to them, oh, yeah, we're thinking about renovating the library, and here are some things that we'd like, kind of like to do. And they were like, oh, well, why don't we pull some money from this fund? And why don't we pull some money from this fund? And I'm like, well, don't you need that for like the COVID kids? Like we need to like learn and stuff. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. This has been marked for capital. So we have to spend it like on building stuff. We're not allowed to spend it on anything else. So and there's been so many projects like not being done over the summer. People haven't been requesting stuff because they've all been quarantined. So we've got this little extra pot of money that we can give to you. And we're like, what? This is crazy. And so we start making all these plans and this renovation that even back in January, was not scheduled to happen until summer 2021 is now happening within like the next few weeks. Like I'm meeting with the furniture guy on Monday. And then my principal goes around and he starts calling, you know, several of our local politicians saying, hey, so we've kind of got the go ahead to go along with this library renovation. Do you have any money that you can throw at it? And they're like, oh yeah, we've got this pot of money. We got this pot of money. Okay. So long story short, I walk into my library Thursday morning, $0. I leave that day from work to drive home, and my principal texts me that we have finally gotten to $50,000 within the space of like seven hours. Crazy. And, you know, I was telling you guys, I've been obsessed with like DIY Network and, you know, all the flipping homes TV shows and things like that. Like, I love to watch those shows. I love, I would love to flip houses. I love doing DIY stuff. Guys, I get to flip a library. Like, (laughs) how awesome is that? So I'm like, that is a huge blessing from my Heavenly Father that just fell out of the sky and into my lap. I had no idea it was coming, but what an amazing experience to know that he is so mindful of me. And I can't think of it coming any other way but through him because we tried. We tried real hard in January to get this ball rolling and it was like we were stuck in the mud. And then within the space of one day, it all came together. Like how else do you explain that except for my heavenly father being awesome and being there for me and knowing that back in January and February, I didn't really need this then. But I need it now. And it's going to make the school year so much better for me. It's going to make our school environment so much better for the kids. It's just going to be a really great thing. So um, that's just an update. I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. I'm enjoying being back around my work coworkers and things like that. I'm enjoying getting ready for the school year. I'm doing really well. 
So thank you so much. And for all those who are praying for me, I appreciate you. Like, if I could give you a big giant air hug, I would totally give you a big giant air hug right now. Um, I tried to post an update to my social media so you guys could all see. It was my first day of school update. If you haven't seen it, go check out Facebook and Instagram. It's on there. Um, I've got the shirt on that says, just call me the book queen because I am the book queen at school. So you can go check that out. Okay, let's jump away from Lexi's personal life, and let's jump into Come Follow Me. So the Come Follow Me lesson for this week, I really enjoyed, which is funny because when I first did my first, like, read-through, I was kind of like, really? Like, am I supposed to get anything super spiritual out of this? Like, it's just Nephi prophesying some stuff, and then, like, these people find out, but then he has to tell them to repent, and, you know, I was like, I was having a really hard time kind of, I guess, getting at the meat of, like, what was in the scriptures this week. But there were some really good things in there that came out. So let's start with a come follow me introduction. It says, Nephi's father, Helaman, had urged his sons to remember, remember. He wanted them to remember their ancestors, remember the words of the prophets, and most of all, remember our Redeemer, who is Christ. It's clear that Nephi did remember because this is the same message he declared years later with unwearyingness. How could you have forgotten your God? He asked, all of Nephi's efforts, preaching and praying and performing miracles and petitioning God for a famine were attempts to help the people turn to God and remember him. In many ways, forgetting God is a bigger problem even than not knowing him. And it's easy to forget him when our minds are distracted by the vain things of the world, clouded by sin. But as Nephi's ministry shows, it is never too late to remember and turn unto the Lord your God which is the truth. All of us, no matter what kind of life you have lived, it is never too late to turn unto the Lord our God. Okay, the first section in Come Follow Me is called Prophets Reveal the Word of God. And it's talking a little bit about Nephi and the kind of prophet that he was and some of the things that he did that kind of showed the will of God. Well, as I was going through and reading that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see these scriptures kind of point that out about Nephi as a prophet. I'm like, how is our prophet kind of I don't want to say comparing because comparing sounds like negative, but I guess I wanted to like show side by side like that our prophet is just as prophetic, I guess, as Nephi was. Does that make sense? Like things that Nephi said that are similar to things that our prophet has said. So I made a little chart between Nephi and President Nelson, and I found some stuff that they said that was fairly similar. So I thought it was pretty cool that they said the same thing. Some of these things in this chart, I have to tell you, are going to be kind of a stretch, but you know, I want to show you some things that they said that are the same. So the first section, Come Follow Me, points out is Helaman 7, 17 through 22. And this is what Nephi says. Oh, repent ye, repent ye. Why will you die? Turn ye, turn ye unto the Lord your God. Why has he forsaken you? It is because you have hardened your hearts. Yea, you will not hearken unto the voice of the good shepherd. Yea, you will have provoked him to anger against you. And behold, instead of gathering you, except you will repent, behold, he shall scatter you forth, and you shall become meat for dogs and wild beasts. Oh, how could you have forgotten your God in the very day that he has delivered you? But behold, it is to get gain and to be praised of men, and you have set your hearts upon the riches and the vain things of this world. For that which you do murder and plunder and steal and bear false witness against your neighbor and do all manner of iniquity. And for this cause, Woe shall come unto you, except you shall repent. 
For if you do not repent, behold, this great city, and also all those great cities which are round about, which are in the land of our possession, shall be taken away, that ye shall have no more place in them. For behold, the Lord will not grant unto you strength, as he has hitherto done, to withstand against your enemies." So obviously in that section, Nephi is like (laughs) bringing them to church. You need to repent. You need to turn back to God. You need to stop what you're doing or else utter destruction awaits you, right? Well, now Nephi seems a little doom and gloom when compared with President Nelson because President Nelson is like super optimistic. So I had a hard time kind of matching the doom and gloom tone. What I found instead was President Nelson talking about repentance and how Repentance isn't a bad thing. Repentance brings us closer to our Heavenly Father, and it saves us from the adversary. And I'm just going to let him tell it, okay? This is We Can Do Better and Be Better by President Nelson in the April 2019 conference. This is what he says, and I've just picked out some excerpts, like not the whole talk. This is just some excerpts. He says, Recently, I have found myself drawn to the Lord's instruction given through the prophet Joseph Smith. Say nothing but repentance unto this generation. This declaration is often repeated throughout scripture, as we see with like, this is Lexi, as we see with like Nephi's declaration that we just read, right? Okay, going back to President Nelson. It prompts the obvious question, does everyone need to repent? The answer is yes. Now, pause. So one of my favorite things about President Nelson when he talks is that I love that when he does the thing where he like explains what words mean, he's a total word nerd. And I love that because I am also a word nerd. So he's going to explain what repentance means like word wise. So here we go. He says the word repentance in Greek New Testament is metaneo. The prefix meta means change. The suffix neo is related to the Greek words that mean mind, knowledge, spirit, and breath. Thus, when Jesus asks you and me to repent, he is inviting us to change our mind, change our knowledge, our spirit, even the way we breathe. He is asking us to change the way we think, love, and serve, spend our times, the way we treat our wives, teach our children, and even care for our bodies. Whether you are diligently moving along the covenant path, have slipped or stepped from the covenant path, or can't even see the path from where you are now, I plead with you to repent. Experience the strengthening power of daily repentance, of doing and being a little better each day. When we choose to repent, we choose to change. We allow the Savior to transform us into the very best version of ourselves. We choose to grow spiritually and to receive joy the joy of redemption in him. When we choose to repent, we choose to become more like Jesus Christ. Brethren, we need to do better and we need to be better because we are in a battle. The battle with sin is real. The adversary is quadrupling his efforts to disrupt testimonies and impede the work of the Lord. He is arming his minions with potent weapons to keep us from partaking of the joy and love of the Lord. Repentance is the key to avoiding misery inflicted by the traps of the adversary. The Lord does not expect perfection from us at this point in our eternal progression, but he does expect us to become increasingly pure. Daily repentance is the pathway to purity, and purity brings power. Personal purity can make us powerful tools in the hands of God. Our repentance, our purity, will empower us to help in the gathering of Israel. 
See, so do you see like the similarities between the two? Nephi was like, what What have you done? Why have you forsaken your Lord? Turn back to him. And President Nelson's like, please turn back to him. Please turn back to him. And Nephi's like, there's so many bad things that will happen to you if you don't turn back. And President Nelson's like, please turn back to him. Please turn back to him. Because if you do, these are the good things that will happen. Because President Nelson is super optimistic and he always presents things very optimistically, which I think. So instead of it was like, instead of being like that, you will go the hell thing kind of like that Nephi had going on. He's got, if you repent, you are saved from all this yuck. You know, like that's kind of the way he presented it. So that was Nephi and President Nelson on the topic of prophets cry repentance and warn of the consequences of sin. The next little section that Come Follow Me had pointed out for us is Helaman 7, 29, and then 9, 21 through 36. I'm going to read you Helaman 7, 29, and we're going to talk about 21 through 36, okay? So this is Helaman 7, 29. Behold now, I do not say that these things shall be of myself, because it is not of myself that I know these things. But behold, I know these things are true because the Lord God has made them known unto me. Therefore, I testify that they shall be. And then they go into the story of Seantum, who's the brother of Seezerim, where Nephi's like, guys, your chief judge is dead, and this is who killed him. You'll find him. He'll have blood on his cloak. You know, it's all very dramatic. And, um, you know, I'm sure it made it like a really like great gossip piece at the time. People are like, did you hear about what Nephi said? And then they went to his house and he was wearing this cloak. There was blood on it. Why was he wearing the cloak with blood on it? I don't know. You know, I could just see like the little old biddies kind of talking like that at the time. So that's what happens in that particular spot. Basically, both of these scriptures just point out that prophets know by revelation from God what the people need to hear. And they know what they needed to hear then in Nephi's time, but President Nelson also knows what we need to hear in our time. And I wanted to share something that he shared in his April 2018 conference talk, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives. And in that particular talk, he talked about receiving Revelation for the Church and how he and the Quorum of the Twelve and things like that decide stuff. But it was interesting to me because he talked about it in the way that he had just become president of the church and he had to pick two men to be his counselors and he had to pick two new people to be in the Quorum of the Twelve. So it was revelation for the church that he was receiving. So here's his story. When I recently faced the daunting task of choosing two counselors, I wondered how I could possibly choose just two men from the 12 men whom I love and respect. Because I know that good inspiration is based upon good information, I prayerfully met one-on-one with each apostle. I then sequestered myself in a private room in the temple and sought the Lord's will. I testified that the Lord instructed me to select President Dallin H. Oaks and President Henry B. Eyring to serve as my counselors in the First Presidency. In like manner, I testify that the Lord inspired the call of Elder Garrett W. Gong and Elder Ulysses Suarez to be ordained as his apostles. I and we welcome them to this unique brotherhood of service. When we convene as a council of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve, our meeting rooms become rooms of revelation. The Spirit is palpably present. As we wrestle with complex matters, a thrilling process unfolds as each apostle freely expresses his thoughts and his point of view. Though we may differ in our initial perspectives, the love we feel for each other is constant. Our unity helps us to discern the Lord's will for His church. In our meetings, the majority never rules. We listen prayerfully to one another and talk with each other until we are united. 
Then, when we have reached the complete accord, the unifying influence of the Holy Ghost is spine-tingling. We experience what the prophet Joseph Smith knew when he taught, By union of feeling we obtain power with God. No member of the First Presidency or Quorum of the Twelve would ever leave decisions for the Lord's Church to his own best judgment. End quote. And that's because President Nelson is a prophet of God, and he is able to use that prophetic calling with the men that he works with to lead and guide our church in righteousness. It's interesting to me to see his spin because, again, he's so optimistic. He's so about love and inclusivity. He's including everyone and unity and things like that. And that's his personality. And so he's putting it all together. And that's kind of how he receives revelation. And Nephi, we have Nephi, he's very like very inflammatory, I feel, which maybe at that time, that's what the saints needed. But I also think in this particular situation, like I said, you know, he's creating all kinds of drama that the people are going to gossip about and stuff like that. Um, that gossiping is spreading the word of the Lord. Like, did you hear about Nephi? He said this thing and there's blood on the cape. That's testifying of what Nephi said like of the revelation that Nephi had, even though it's not in the best manner, he's still finding a way to spread the news around. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have Twitter. But this was probably the second best thing to Twitter that they had at the time was inflammatory, like overly dramatic type stuff. But I want to continue on with this prophet and prophet thing. Okay. So the next section that Come Follow Me points out to us is Helaman 10.7. And it says, Behold, I give unto you a power that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and thus ye shall have power among this people. Prophets are given the power to seal on earth and in heaven. We know this. President Nelson has the power to seal on earth and in heaven. What's interesting to me is not only does he have the power to do that, but he also encourages people to work on family history, to work on temple work, to work towards getting those families sealed together, to work towards getting that power here on earth used. He wants that power on earth to be used. And he talks a little bit about Elijah in his talk that he gave at Roots Tech. Um, this is Open the Heavens Through Temple and Family History Work from Roots Tech 2017. This is him getting people like kind of pumped up and getting them encouraged to go and start using that sealing power that he has, but also our temple sealers have as well. So here we go. This and Not only is this President Nelson, this is also Sister Nelson as part of this Roots Tech conversation, just, just so you know. President Nelson, a name of great significance in the scriptures explains why the family is so important. That name is Elijah, E-L-I- G-A-H in Hebrew literally means Jehovah is my God. Pause. Okay, there he is with the word nerd stuff again. I told you, I just love it. I love it when he goes word nerd. Okay, unpause. Think of it. Embedded in Elijah's name are the Hebrew terms for both the father and the son. Jehovah is my God. Sister Nelson, Elijah was the last prophet to hold the sealing power of the Melchizedek priesthood before the time of Jesus Christ. Elijah's mission was to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children so they could be sealed or else the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming. That's pretty strong language. President Nelson, I like to think about the spirit of Elijah as a manifestation of the Holy Ghost bearing witness of the divine nature of the family. According to the Bible dictionary, the power of Elijah is the sealing power of the priesthood by which things are bound or loosed on earth 
are bound or loosed in heaven. Sister Nelson, so when we say that the spirit of Elijah is moving upon people to encourage them to seek after their kindred dead, we're really saying that the Holy Ghost is prompting us to do those things that will allow families to be sealed eternally. End quote. So that right there I see, you know, in Nephi, there in Helaman, Nephi is being given the power to seal. And we already know President Nelson has that power to seal. But what we see there in that conversation between him and Sister Nelson at Roots Tech is not only does he have the power, but he is encouraging people on earth here to use that power for the benefit of their families. And I think that's beautiful because one of the things that I think you can recognize a righteous priesthood holder, one of the ways you can recognize a righteous priesthood holder is it's not someone who like, I guess, hoards his priesthood and doesn't want to share it with anyone. I have this power. I don't want to share it with anyone. I want to use it for me selfishly. That's not righteous, right? We know that that's kind of an unrighteous use of priesthood. The priesthood is given to us to be shared with others. It's to bless others' lives. And so when our prophet, President Nelson, has the sealing power on earth, it's not just for him. It's to bless our lives. And he's encouraging us to access that sealing power to bless our lives and to bless the lives of our families. And that is a beautiful role that our prophet has. All right. The last section that (laughs) Come Follow Me has, and this is probably the one where I'm stretching the hardest to connect the two. I become kind of like Stretch Armstrong. So, you know, give me the benefit of the doubt on this. All right, so this is Helaman 10, 4 through 7, 11 through 12. And this is where Heavenly Father is talking to Nephi and saying, Nephi, you've done such a good job. I know I can trust you. Like, you know, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to let him say it, okay? So here we go. Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unweariness declared this word, which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them, and hast not sought thy own life, but hast sought my will, and to keep my commandments. And now, because thou hast done this with such unwearyingness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, and in faith and in works, yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word. For thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. Behold, thou art Nephi. And I am God, and behold, I declare it unto thee in the presence of mine angels, that ye shall have power over this people, and shall smite the earth with famine, and with pestilence, and destruction, according to the wickedness of this people. Behold, I give unto you power, that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And thus shall you have power among this people." And now behold, I command you that you shall go and declare unto this people that thus saith the Lord God, who is the Almighty, except ye repent, ye shall be smitten, even unto destruction. And now it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken these words unto Nephi, he did stop and did not go unto his own house, but did return to the multitudes who were scattered about upon the face of the land and began to declare unto them the word of the Lord, which had been spoken unto him concerning their destruction, if they did not repent." Okay, so that was Nephi. Obviously, it was an incredibly sacred experience, an incredibly personal experience. And President Nelson has not shared anything near like that sacred and personal, I don't believe, with us. So I had nothing really to compare that to. But what I had was Nephi getting ready to talk to people about destruction. And so I was like, well, we're in the middle of kind of a plague of pestilence, right? So what is our prophet talking to us about in the middle of this plague and destruction and pestilence that we're is around us. And so I found this week he put out a quote 
about COVID and the things that are going on. So that's how I'm kind of stretching these two together. Okay. So here's what President Nelson said this week on social media about our COVID situation. As we are now many months into the COVID-19 pandemic, I thought I might share some of what I have learned. I have felt great sorrow about this pandemic. I have mourned with families who have lost loved ones. Many have lost jobs. Some have struggled to find adequate food and supplies. Graduation ceremonies, marriages, and funerals have either been canceled or postponed or altered in some way. I feel great compassion for all who have suffered. At the same time, Wendy and I have learned so much. Even through clouds of sorrow, we have found some silver linings. Many families have re-enthroned their homes as sanctuaries of faith. Many better understand how important the family is and that it is really ordained of God with an eternal destiny. We've also learned fear, isolation, and loss can be mitigated by immersing oneself in caring for other people. Countless healthcare professionals have risked their own lives to care for others. Farmers, pharmacists, truckers, grocers, and others have risked their own health to serve the urgent needs of others. Dear friends, the road ahead may be bumpy, but our destination is serene and secure. So fasten your seatbelt, hang on through the bumps, and do what is right. Your reward will be eternal. In 1831, the Lord made a promise to his saints. It still applies to each of us today. Wherefore, be of good cheer and do not fear. For I am the Lord am with you and will stand by you, and ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, that I am the Son of the living God, that I was, that I am, and that I am to come. And that's from Doctrine and Covenants 68.6. Isn't that beautiful? So again, Nephi's kind of like <laughs> doom and gloom. President Nelson's kind of like more optimistic and sunny about things. But still, they're both facing talking to people that they love and care about, about destruction and the spiritual aspect of it. And President Nelson's like, yeah, it's going to be bumpy, but we're going to make it through and turn to God. And Nephi's like, it's going to be bumpy because you need to repent and turn to God. So that was how I saw the two of them together. Now, one of the things I want to talk about is I've mentioned several times that Nephi has a rather strong personality. And it's very like inflammatory is the word I've used because I picture him like spewing flames forth from his mouth, like, because that's kind of how he is. And we can actually see there's some cultural historical context for that makes him even more like flame spewing. Okay. So this is from Book of Mormon Central. My question when I went to Book of Mormon Central was, okay, so we saw in Helaman 7 that Nephi is praying on a tower? Like, why would one be praying on a tower in his garden next to a highway? And I was like, well, maybe he had a really nice garden and there was like, I don't know, a tree house in it. And it was really private and a secluded way that he could pray. And people walking by maybe just heard him. I was like, maybe that was a situation. Oh no. Oh no. Not our flamethrowing Nephi. Nope, 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 nope. So here's what Book of Mormon Central has to say. Speaking about a time of peace and growing prosperity, Mormon recorded that both the Nephites and Lamanites did go into whatsoever part of the land they would and did have free intercourse one with another. That's Helaman 6, 7 through 8. Free trade naturally led to wealth, which soon gave way to pride. Pride led to moral decline and eventually to secret murders and combinations. We talked about that last week. It is with this backdrop that Nephi delivers his well-known prophetic lament. Although seemingly unremarkable, 
Mormons mention that Nephi was upon a tower, which was in the Garden of Nephi, which was by the highway which led to the chief market, is actually both relevant to the story and historically well attested. Wallace Hunt explained, if we look at Mesoamerica, we find that reference to a market or marketplace is not only proper but crucial to Mormon's description of Nephi's praying and its effect upon the people. According to Eric Thompson, the present-day markets of Highland Guatemala are enchanting, colorful, and thought-provoking, but they are pale shadows of the markets in pre-Columbian times. Morley and Brainerd concluded that the most important economic institution of the ancient Maya was a centralized market. Aside from a central or chief market, ancient Mesoamerican cities also had subsidiary markets, together with the main market, which worked as an organized trade network. It is also well known that an extensive network of highways traversed ancient America, and some proposed sites for Mesoamerican markets, such as the Maxna Marketplace in Belize, did indeed have a main road or causeway that led into the central market plaza. Furthermore, in some Mesoamerican cities, garden areas were cultivated immediately adjacent to the single habitation complexes, and low-rising pyramidal towers were enclosed within private family compounds. The convergence of these features in ancient Mesoamerica provides a very believable real-world context for Nephi's public statement. Now, prophets in ancient Israel would often stage a creative scene wherein they would act out symbolically and represent a central component of their prophetic message. For example, as John W. Welch explained, when Jeremiah wanted to impress the people of Jerusalem with his prophecy that they would be yoked into bondage by the Babylonians, he draped himself with thongs and a yoke and thus went forth proclaiming his message of doom in Jeremiah 27. Other similar symbolic or parabolic acts performed as prophetic oracles are found in Jeremiah 13, which is hiding a waistcloth, Jeremiah 19, which is smashing a bottle, 1 Kings 11, tearing a garment into 12 pieces, 2 Kings 13, shooting an arrow, and Isaiah 20, walking around naked. Good to know. Welch suggested that eight reasons for similarly seeing Nephi's prophetic lament as some sort of staged funeral sermon. At that point, I'm like, funeral sermon, what? Okay, but continuing on, Book of Mormon Central explains, As people may have been wondering in the case of who had died, Nephi asked them, why will you die? You know, because they're sinning. They're spiritually dying, right? He then publicly rebuked them for their wickedness and prophesied concerning the chief judge who had, unbeknownst to the people, just been murdered. Thus, in response to both the physical and spiritual death, Nephi conspicuously acted out a poignant funerary lament. If this event was so indeed staged, then Nephi's choice to publicly mourn on a private tower next to the highway makes a lot of sense. His whole purpose would have been to make a scene, and the throngs of people on their way to a centralized market, perhaps on an appointed market day, would have provided a sizable audience. When the people came together in the multitudes, Nephi was able to deliver the heart of his message as he boldly declared, And ye have set your hearts upon the riches and the vain things of this world, for which you do murder, plunder, steal, and bear false witness against your neighbor, and do all manner of iniquity. The irony of this rebuke would have been that the stinging for the people at that very moment were likely on their way to buy and sell the riches upon which they had set their hearts and upon which they were seeking to get gain that they might be lifted up against one another. The news of such a strange and marvelous prophecy would surely have traveled along some trade network that was otherwise distributing the wealth and riches that were leading to wickedness.
Nephi didn't have modern conference center with a raised podium and a microphone. He didn't have the internet, television, or radio to transmit his message to the people. Instead, he had a tower next to a highway leading to a market. So do you see how Nephi used that? Um, I think that that was one of the ways that Nephi, who apparently had a flair for the drama anyways, the Lord kind of enhanced that a little bit in him and was able to use that as a tool to get his word out. I think that's really cool how the Lord can use us in some, some ways like that. All right, going on to the next section of Come Follow Me. We spent a long time on that one. Um, the next section is signs and miracles are helpful, but not sufficient to build enduring faith. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because we talk about that a lot, that signs and miracles confirm testimony. They don't create it. You know, you've got to have the faith there. You've got to have the testimony there. And then a sign and miracle can confirm it. That's kind of how it works. Okay. Cause I want to talk about the next section. Next section says pondering invites revelation. I have really enjoyed this section a lot. Um, It says, if you've ever felt downtrodden, anxious, or confused, hey, like I did this last week, you might learn an important lesson from Nephi's example in Helaman 10, 2 through 4. What did he do when he felt cast down? As we read in verse 3, it says, and it came to pass as he was thus pondering, being much cast down of the wickedness of the people of the Nephites, their secret works of darkness, their murderings, their plunderings, all manner of iniquities. And it came to pass, as he was thus pondering in his heart, behold, a voice came unto him, saying, Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. And we went on to read this. For everything you've done, you've declared unto people with unwearyingness, that kind of thing. So he was pondering when he felt those words. And then if you go in and you read the talk that they have, Brother Devin G. Durant's message, My Heart Pondereth Them Continually. He talks about ponderizing. He kind of makes up a word, ponderizing, where he says he takes a scripture and he puts it someplace where he can see every day. And every day that week, he tries memorizing it and he kind of really thinks about it very deeply. Well, I'm like, that sounds awesome because guess what? I am feeling downtrodden and anxious and confused and I need to learn an important lesson just like Nephi did. And so I picked a scripture from this week and I've been ponderizing upon it all week long. And the scripture I picked that just really stood out to me because I loved the beauty of it. I felt like it was very beautiful is Helaman 8, 23. It says, and behold, he is God and he is with them. And he did manifest himself unto them, that they were redeemed by him, and they gave unto him glory because of that which is to come. All right, so he's talking about the prophets of old who have testified of Christ, that he is God, first of all. That was the first thing that really kind of stuck out to me, is that Christ, and they had an idea of Christ before he even ever came, that he really was part of God. And so I started thinking about what does that mean for him and his heavenly father to be so united in everything that they do? You know, I think I have a really good work friend who we work together very closely at my old school. And I mean, we team taught all the time. I mean, we were probably as like synchronous wise teaching as you could possibly be. However, we were still like worlds apart in many different aspects of our personality and views and things like that. And that's probably the closest I've ever come to working with someone who is alike with me in unity of purpose. So I can't even begin to imagine how close our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus Christ are. 
that it makes them united in purpose to the form of God, you know, the Godhead that they are. So I was contemplating upon their relationship. And that made me think, too, that when Christ did come down and he died for us and he took upon our sins, how hard it must have been for our Heavenly Father to watch. You know, it might have even been harder for our Heavenly Father to watch than for our Savior to undertake it. I don't know. I'm just thinking as a parent that I would rather have any pain I see my child go through. I would rather have that inflicted on me like 10 times than see my kid go through it, you know? So I don't know. I was thinking about their relationship. So that's like the first five words. And that's all the deep stuff that I got out of the first five words. That's crazy. That's ponderizing. So then I continued on. And the next five words are, and he is with them. So that would mean that the Savior is with all these people who prophesied of him before. And there's actually a footnote that you can go in and read. And it's with them is the footnote that it kind of is the phrase that it goes with. And it sends you to Alma 40, 11 through 12. Now concerning the state of the soul between death and the resurrection, behold, it has been made known unto me by an angel that the spirits of all men, as soon as they are departed from this mortal body, yea, the spirits of all men, whether they be good or evil, are taken home to that God who gave them life. And it shall come to pass that the spirits of those who are righteous are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace, where they shall rest from all their troubles, from all care, and from all sorrow. Okay, so he is with them in that state of paradise, is what the scripture is saying. I think that's beautiful that they spent their lives prophesying and testifying of Christ, and he is now with them. Okay, so then I moved on to the next section where it says, and he did manifest himself unto them. And then I was like, well, what does manifest mean? Like, I kind of like, no, you know, out of context clues, but what does manifest actually mean? And I looked it up in the dictionary. Manifest means to display or show by one's acts or appearance to demonstrate. So he did manifest himself unto them. Not only did he probably show himself unto them, whether in this life or beyond the veil, I'm not sure, but I'm sure that they probably beheld him at some point. But demonstrate was the verb that got me there. They know his power. They know what he can, has done for them and what he can do for them. That to me was really cool. Okay, going back to my ponderizing. The next phrase that I really focused on was that they were redeemed by him. So then I was like, well, what does redeemed mean? Like, I, I think I know what it re- means. Like, I take a coupon to the store to be redeemed. Like, I know what that means. But I don't think we're coupons to Jesus Christ. So I went and looked up in the Bible dictionary. And this is what redeems means in the Bible dictionary. To deliver, to purchase, or to ransom. Such as to free a person from bondage by payment. Redemption refers to the atonement of Jesus Christ. And to deliverance from sin. Jesus' atonement redeems all mankind from physical death. Through his atonement, those who have faith in him and who repent are also redeemed from spiritual death. So the people before who came along who prophesied and testified of Christ have been redeemed by him. And they gave unto him glory, which is what the scripture says, because of that which is to come. So all that was beautiful. But then I started sitting down and I'm ponderizing again. And I'm like, man. The verb tenses are all over the place in this scripture, which is kind of, you know, I guess it happens a lot in ancient Hebrew prophecies and things like that. The time, like tenses and the verbs and stuff will happen like in the future and in the past and in the present, like it'll skip around a lot. So that's not that out of the ordinary. 
But it was interesting to me when I went back and started like looking at the actual tenses of the verbs. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go through this and you'll see why it matters. So behold, he is God. So in present tense, no matter where we are in the timeline of life, he is God. He has always been God. He will always be God. He is God. No matter what present you are living in, he is God. Okay, I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. He is with them. I know that that verse in Alma talked about being in spirit paradise and him being with them there. But here's the thing. I think our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are with all of us at all time. Again, I think that that's a present verb that can be present at any point in time. Whenever we turn to them, whenever we look to them, whenever we testify of them, he is with us no matter what present, past, or future we're in. He's there with us. That's why I think that's in present tense. All right. The next verb that I saw was he did manifest himself. That's in the past. So wherever they are presently, in their past, he did manifest himself unto them. So they knew him. They knew their savior in their past, which I think is cool. And then they were redeemed by him, which this is the part where that really started me thinking about these things. They were redeemed by him in the past. Wherever they are, they were redeemed by him in the past, but yet he hasn't yet done the atonement yet because we're still pre-atonement era. So I was like, how does that work? And then I started thinking, you know, things that I've read where it talks about the atonement is an all-encompassing atonement. Like you guys know I'm very visual and I visualize stuff as I'm reading my scriptures. And in this case, I, I visualize like, you know, the timeline of like where everything began all the way over on the left side and then where, you know, onto the eternities goes all the way over onto the right side. And in the middle is the atonement. And I feel like someone just went and like dropped a water into the pool and the ripples just blew out giant waves in both directions and just covered the entire timeline. Because I feel like that's what the atonement did. And so when it hit that timeline, they were redeemed. Everyone was covered by the atonement at that moment. Past, present, future. The atonement is in full effect. Okay, and then they gave unto him the glory, so that takes place in the past, because of that which is to come, because of what's coming. So this all happened, their belief, their redemption, their wanting to be with him, him manifesting himself unto him, their faith in him, that all happened in the past with the atonement and the act of the atonement, everything that Christ was going to go through is still coming in their present Does that make sense? I know that was kind of like all over the place, but I was thinking about that a lot. I, you know, and I've talked about it before on some of these episodes. I have so much admiration and just like, I want to be as strong as these prophets who believed in Christ before he even ever came. You know, they had an idea of how it would all go down, but they didn't know details. I like to know details. I like to study things out in my mind and I like to know like the ins and outs of like every little thing that happened. Like I feel like that strengthens my faith. So for them to not have those details, some of them had details like his mother's name will be Mary and he'll be born in this town, but they didn't know things like that the shepherds came and the angels sang and they didn't know about his life that he got lost in Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. Like they don't know all those facts that we know that kind of make Jesus who he is to us, our savior and his earthly life. They didn't have all that that we have. And so for their faith to be as strong as it was, to me is mind boggling. I can't wait until after this life, I get to meet them and tell them what an amazing example of faith 
solidarity, and devotion that they showed to me, that they were able to believe without knowing the entire picture. And they still believed anyways, because there have been many times in my life where I'm like, I don't know how that's going to turn out. And my heavenly father's like, it's going to turn out okay. And I'm like, I don't know. I need to see like the blueprints. I need to see the details. (laughs) I don't believe it's going to be okay. My heavenly father's like, it's just going to be okay, Lexi. You just need to believe. So I see these prophets who are thinking about like the most important event that will ever take place in human history. And they're like, I believe they don't need to see the blueprints. They don't need to see the details. They're not doubting like I probably would. So I am just always in just complete awe of their faith and their courage and their devotion. So that's why I picked that scripture. And it just, everything I read in it confirmed that for me. So that's what I got out of ponderizing that scripture. I hope that you will go this week into the scripture section that we have and find a verse that speaks to you. And I hope that you will ponderize upon it. Um, take it with you, write it down, memorize it, turn it over in your mind every day as you're going about your day, just in those spare idle moments that you have and just think about it deeply. It's something I think I'm going to start doing weekly because I did have such a deep spiritual like experience with it, I think. So I think I'm going to continue to do that. But that was my ponderizing experience for the week. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys have an awesome week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying for me and supporting me through these last couple of weeks of, as they've been a little bit difficult. I love you guys so much. Have an awesome week. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram. Comments or questions? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening. 